Our reading this evening is 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I, Paul, myself entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I, who am humble when face to face with you, but bold toward you when I am away, I beg of you that when I am present, I may not have to show boldness with such confidence as I count on showing against some who suspect us of walking according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Look at what is before your eyes. If anyone is confident that he is Christ's, let him remind himself that just as he is Christ's, so also are we. For even if I boast a little too much of our authority, which the Lord gave for building you up and not for destroying you, I will not be ashamed. I do not want to appear to be frightening you with my letters. For they say, his letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech of no account. Let such a person understand that what we say by letter when absent, we do when present. Not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. But we will not boast beyond limits, but will boast only with regard to the area of influence God assigned to us, to reach even to you. For we are not overextending ourselves as though we did not reach you, for we were the first to come all the way to you with the gospel of Christ. We do not boast beyond limit in the labors of others, but our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged, so that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you without boasting of work already done in another's area of influence. Let the one who boasts boast in the Lord, for it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Paul is wrapping up 2 Corinthians. He's on his way to a sort of grand finale, but he wants the Corinthians to know that this is not the kind of grand finale that they would expect from those false teachers, those detractors who are among them, those men who have been saying that Paul isn't all that he claims to be, that Paul is just a weak man, although he writes strong letters. Really, his personality isn't that great, and we've got a better gospel it's not the kind of grand finale that those men would give. Instead, Paul is about to boast in the most surprising of things. He's about to boast in his weakness. He's about to boast in all of the things that he has suffered, all of the things that he has lost, all of the things that God has taken away from him and with which God has afflicted him because he wants the Corinthians to know that his message, this gospel, is not according to the wisdom of the world. It is not what looks glamorous in the eyes of the world. It is not what is commended by the world. It's not what seems strong and wise to the world. But instead, it's what's true. It's what's true. The truth finally seen in the cross of Jesus Christ, that God loves the world in this way, that he was willing to give up his own son. That truth, 
That's the truth that is set plainly before the Corinthians. Paul says to them, I want you to take me at my word. Listen to the words that I'm saying. It's all plainly laid before you. This is not some sort of an emotional appeal Paul is making. That would be a posture like those detractors were taking. If Paul were a peddler of the gospel trying to sell some wares or get something out of it for himself, he would make an an emotional appeal. Oh, would you please listen to me? Would you please believe what I'm saying? I need you to believe my words. That's not what he's doing. And he's not angry either. He's not angry at all of the things that he has suffered on their account, the anxiety, the worry. He's not angry that they have wandered. He's not angry for his own sake. Instead, Paul is faithful. Look at what is before your eyes, Paul says. Take me at face value. Listen to the words that I'm saying. Faithlessness, faithlessness is always a denial of what is right in front of your eyes. Now that is true, even though we walk by faith and not by sight. We don't see the fulfillment of the things God has promised. We don't see now resurrection bodies. We don't see now perfection and beauty and eternity. But, but we do see Christ. We see his word of truth. We see the gospel, we see Christ clearly portrayed before us as crucified, the Son of God, for our sake. That is plain, and that's what Paul is laying before the Corinthians. Faithlessness is to deny what you can see plainly with your eyes. This is what was at work among the people of Israel in their history. So you remember how the story goes, how often they denied what was plainly before their eyes. There they were in Egypt, Ten plagues, the death of the firstborn, the people of Israel spared because they painted the blood of the Passover lamb on their doorposts. Plainly before their eyes, they saw God's mercy, God's provision. God drew them out of Egypt, rich, plundering the Egyptians on the way. He drowned Pharaoh's host in the Red Sea. He brought them through on dry ground, plainly before their eyes. God is their provider, protector. He's their father. He's caring for them. He keeps his word plainly before their eyes. They can see it. And yet... Not a few days after they've crossed the Red Sea, there they stand in the wilderness, grumbling and complaining, as though God won't take care of them, as though they're going to starve, as though God is going to let them die of thirst. How could that possibly be when God so plainly showed them his love? That's how it was for the Pharisees. You know the stories in the Gospels. Jesus doing miracles, healing the sick, cleansing the lepers, casting out demons, and even raising the dead. And when the Pharisees question these things, they have to basically deny what Jesus has done. Just deny it outright. Well, we can't say that that was a miracle, because then the people will believe him. We also can't deny it because the people are following after him. What are we going to do? They just didn't speak the truth. They denied what was plainly before their eyes. Even the testimony of the Heavenly Father. This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. The Corinthians have fallen victim to that same sort of denial of what is plain before their eyes. They're at the risk of falling off into faithlessness if they believe the words of these detractors, these these 'er ne'er-do-wells who are causing them trouble, who are saying, Paul isn't a man of integrity. Why would you trust him? They're They're casting doubt on Paul's concern for them. What does Paul want out of this? But Paul has laid it plainly before their eyes. He went and visited them, preaching them the gospel free of charge. 
He didn't even accept gifts from them in support of his work. He worked with his own hands so that they would have nothing to hold over his head so that they could see so clearly that he just wanted them to believe and live plainly before their eyes. Paul is praying that they won't deny it. Look at what is before your eyes. What is it? What is it that is plain before our eyes that we are tempted to deny? I think we can find ourselves in any number of these situations. We can see our own reflection among the people of Israel or in the words of the Pharisees or among the Corinthians when we worry, when we are anxious or afraid. We are denying what is plain before our eyes, that God has always provided for us, that he will always take care of us. When we are bitter or contemptuous, We are denying what is plain before our eyes, that God has forgiven us all of our sins without any hint of bitterness or contempt, and that he has given us a new life, a new hope, that he has saved us from sin. When we are impatient, we deny what is plain before our eyes, that God's timing is always good, that he always gives us our gifts in due season, that it was in the fullness of time that he sent forth his son, and that whatever he gives us now and whatever he gives us later is exactly what we need at the appropriate time. When we give way to desire, sinful desire, we deny what is right before our eyes, that God has told us what is good and it is in fact good, that our heart is misleading, that we cannot trust our own desires. We deny what is plain before our eyes. Look at what is before your eyes. Let that be the commendation of Paul to us as well. Look at what is before your eyes. See Christ. Believe the gospel. Trust in his word, this truth, which Paul says is a weapon unlike the weapons wielded by anyone in this world, but it is a weapon that can destroy strongholds. That's a vivid picture. It's a weapon that can tear down mighty men, that can destroy arguments, that puts to shame everyone who would deny this truth, that Christ has died for you. Let every thought be captive to Christ Jesus. That, that is how we live. Every thought captive to Christ Jesus. That goes back to that picture at the beginning of 2 Corinthians, when Paul remarks how Jesus is leading us in triumphal procession. Triumphal procession in Roman times was not a procession of triumphing victors, but it was the victor leading in procession all of the enemies that he had vanquished, parading them through the streets to show that he was the victor and they were the losers. Christ leads us in triumphal procession, leading us behind him as those he has vanquished with his blood, redeeming us from our enemy, delivering us from the bonds of hell in truth, taking us captive Where else would we rather be than captive to Christ? Take every thought captive to Christ Jesus. This is what leads into Paul's boasting. We should talk for a minute about this kind of boasting. Paul quotes from the prophet Jeremiah, who says, Let not the rich man boast in his riches or the mighty man in his might. That's folly. Those things fade away. They become worthless. Those are boasts that will be put to shame. Instead, he says, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. If you're going to seek commendation for anything, let it be this, that you trust in God. 
but that you trust in the one who does what he says, the one who is always good, the one who loves you as a heavenly father. Let that be the source of your boast, the source of your pride, that he is your God and, he, and you are his children. Anyone who boasts in anything else shows a complete misunderstanding of how God's economy works, that it's God who gives good gifts and we bring nothing to the table. Paul says, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. Let that be the test of these detractors. Let that be the test of you, dear Corinthians. Paul says, where is your boast? Where is your hope? Is it in the foolishness of the cross, the folly of suffering and death being the road to eternal life? Or is it in all kinds of temporal, earthly things which moth and rust can destroy and thieves can break in and steal? Let this be your boast, that the Lord is your God, that he is your Father, that he has redeemed you, that he sent his son to die for you, and that he has promised with his own name, sworn by his name, pledged his own son's blood, that he will never let you be put to shame. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.